0: With your Bible or device, please meet me in Luke's Gospel, Chapter 15. Luke is a New Testament book that follows Mark and comes right before John. In Luke Chapter 15, which was read for us, we discover that Jesus is having a conversation with other religious leaders who are disappointed and frustrated with Jesus because he is spending so much time with people who were known for sinning. And these religious leaders wanted Jesus to reject them, but he doesn't do that. Biblical scholar Craig Keener noted that the people Jesus was spending time with were excluded by the religious community. And for the religious elite, which that would have been these individuals talking to Jesus... At least they saw themselves that way. For the religious elite, it was improper for them to eat with sinners. They just didn't do that. But yet, this is what we find Jesus doing. It's interesting because it sure seems like Jesus delighted in spending time with people who didn't quite fit in with the religious community. He enjoyed being with those who were good at sinning. So as a result of this, Jesus begins to share some many stories to illustrate truth and to prove his point. Jesus begins with the parable of the lost sheep in verses 3 through 7 of Luke chapter 15. And then he moves on to share the parable of the lost coin in verses 8 through 10. And then he begins to conclude things, or as verse 11 says, to illustrate the point further. Jesus told another story. So a third story, a third parable. He begins with the parable of the lost sheep, moves to the lost coin, and then concludes the rest of chapter 15 With the story of the lost son, which has become known as the parable of the prodigal. It's interesting though because scripture never calls him a prodigal son. It's something that came about probably through one of the early church fathers by the name of Jerome, who lived from 347 to 420 AD. He's a good looking guy, right? I think I just saw him on a motorcycle the other day, traveling. He came up with this designation of the prodigal son, and I think it's a fitting title. It is because he certainly acted like a prodigal. I like the title, the lost son, and it's probably even better to refer to this as the lost son's Because there are two sons in this story. We often focus on the one, the prodigal. But there is another son, an older brother, who is just as lost. And we'll get to that. Here's how I want to approach this today. I want to look at the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And then we'll pull some thinking points from that. And then we'll do the same for the parable of the lost sons. Ready? Here we go. The parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. In each story, something of value is lost. And what we discover as Jesus began to share these stories is that there is this all-out search for that lost item. The shepherd goes on an all-out search for that one sheep. And the woman who lost the valuable coin, she goes on an all-out search to find this coin. And what we discover as Jesus shares this is that when those valuable items are found, when the shepherd finds the sheep and when the woman finds that lost coin, it's party time. It is. Friends and neighbors come together because something of value was lost but now it is found and all of this occurs the rejoicing and the celebrating because there is wholeness again in each case the shepherd has all of the sheep the woman has the lost coin there is wholeness again and notice this here's what jesus says in verse 7 in the same way there is more joy in heaven over one that lost sinner who repents And returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And then he says this in verse 10. In the same way or in the same manner, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. From the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep, I want to pull some thinking points. Here's the first one. God's grace is on full display here. And we see it in the story of the lost sons as well. But God's grace, which is his unmerited favor extended to all, That's a really good thing for us. So when you think about grace, specifically God's grace, we're talking about unmerited favor that we benefit from in life. So God's grace, this unmerited favor that we don't deserve, it is on full display in the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the grace of God, His unmerited favor is a beautiful thing. And we could kind of pause there And just sit in that and reflect and pray and be done with our gathering. And that would be enough because the grace of God is that significant. I'm going to keep talking though, okay? I just want you to remember the grace of God, His unmerited favor. It is amazing and we see it here in profound ways in Luke chapter 15 as Jesus shares these stories. Here's thinking point number two. God rejoices when the lost are found. Right? The parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. There's an all-out party. Friends and neighbors are coming together because the valuable thing was lost and they have it again. It is now found. There is renewed life because there is wholeness again. And what we can pull from that is God rejoices when the lost come home to him. And I think what Jesus is doing here as he talks with these religious leaders who were disappointed with him because he was spending so much time with people who were known sinners and Jesus, you shouldn't do that, give up on that, and he wouldn't. Jesus is beginning to talk a little bit here about the character of God. And God is like this. God is like this. What do you think of When you consider the person of God, what comes to mind? I think for some, we view God as one who calculates all of our flaws and all of our failings. And we picture God as some being in the sky with a legal pad and he's looking at us saying, oh, he said or she did or they thought and I I better write that down and calculate this tab and use it against the individual. Some people view God that way. I think that's how the religious leaders viewed God as one who calculates flaws and that's why they became so judgmental of others. Or... We can view God as one who pursues what he loves and what is lost and what is not home with him. And we can view God as one who chases and I think that's what Jesus is teaching here that God's grace, his unmerited favor is for us. It's for the imperfect. It's for sinners And this is great news for us. It really is. I want us to keep thinking about God's grace. And remember, when you hear that, just think of unmerited, undeserved favor. I want us to keep thinking about God's grace as we look at the parable of the lost sons. The story is well known, it's well known. The younger son asks for his inheritance. And we might look at that and say, oh, why not? Give it a shot. All dad can say is no, and then you move on with your life. But we need to understand the uniqueness of this and what it meant when Jesus shared this in his context. So Jesus didn't share this to a Western culture. He shared it in the Mediterranean world, and there would have been deep meaning to some of these things. So here's what we need to know. To ask one's father for one share of the inheritance early was unheard of in antiquity. It just didn't happen. Nobody did that. So as Jesus begins to talk to these religious leaders who are frustrated with Jesus that he hangs out with sinners, he shares this story about a son who comes to his father and before he's even gone... He asks for his share of inheritance. This would have alerted those listening, wow, like this is really different and unusual because this doesn't happen in our world. In effect, the younger son was saying to his father, you are dead to me and I want nothing to do with you, but I want my stuff and I want my money, so give that to me really shocking stuff that Jesus is sharing here. Well, as Jesus continues to progress through the story, the father obliges and he gives the youngest son his share of the inheritance. And as the story goes, the younger son goes out and blows it all on wild living. He spends everything. And he comes to his senses as he is homeless, and has nothing to eat other than what the pigs have around him, he comes to his senses and just begins to think, you know, if I go back home, if I were to go back to my father, I I probably can't be a son anymore. That ship has sailed because I viewed him as someone dead to me. But maybe he'll allow me to work for him like a servant, and I will at least have something to eat. And I won't starve. So the son begins the journey back home. What happens next in scripture? What Jesus shares with us is a very dramatic scene. I think it's one of the most dramatic scenes in scripture outside of the resurrection events. The son, it appears, is making his way back home and The father, the indication in the text is that he's been looking for his son. He's been watching, peering out, wondering if possibly the son might come home. Probably not, but maybe someday. And so the father, in the distance, sees a figure. And the image we have is that he recognizes that's my son. That's him. I can tell by how he walks. I can see it in how he carries himself. That's him. And I don't know if I was ever going to see him again, but I know that's him. That's my son. And I will go to him. As Jesus shares the story, he talks about how Jesus or the father ran to his son. He didn't just waddle out there, he ran to his son, and here's the significance of that in the culture. It was a breach of an elderly Jewish man's dignity to run. They didn't do that. Other people may run, but Jewish men in their elderly years did not do that. It was undignified. But this father, can you see this? He, There's my son, and he's been lost, and He's making his way back home, and I will undignify myself. I don't care what my neighbors think. I don't care how the community feels about this relationship and how he has embarrassed our family. That's my son. I love him, and I am running to him, and I will undignify myself by doing this because of my love for my son. Verse 28 tells us, Actually, verse 22 says, The father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Lost sheep, found party lost coin found party lost son he's found he returns home and there is a party as described here the father extends grace unmerited favor to his son What sometimes we overlook in the parable, at least I know I overlook this all of the time, is that there is another son. There's an older brother. And when he picks up on the fact that the younger brother, the scoundrel, has returned home, that's what all the celebrating is for. And that's why there's dancing and feasting. He's furious. He's furious, right? Because he was the good son. He is the one who stayed and This doesn't make sense. And so here's what we read in verse 28. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, please come inside. But the older son replied, and quick note here, in antiquity, failing to speak to your father with the title of father or sir or something else that was dignified in that way was an insult to him. And the older son skips that here, thus insulting his father. The son replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. There was no party for me. No party for me. This is unfair. And here's the noteworthy thing about grace. It actually is unfair. And we all benefit from that because it's undeserved favor. And that's one of the driving points of these parables. So the older son is complaining, there's been no party for me. Verse 30, yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fat and calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. If you'd like to highlight and underline, that's a great phrase, and we'll come back to that in just a moment. Look, son, you've been with me, and everything I now have. It's yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. It's interesting because the younger brother in the story disrespects his father by leaving and taking the inheritance and viewing his father as dead even though he was very much alive. And again, we tend to focus on the prodigal, the younger son, and wow, what a terrible thing to do. But the older brother, the oldest son, also disrespects his father. Michelle Lee Barnwell says it this way, far from loving his father, he, the older brother, shows his contempt through his reaction to his father's grace toward the wayward son. Yet, the father extends grace and generosity to the older son as well. Did you pick up on this? In verse 31, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have, everything I now have is yours. This is a good deal. You should take it. And more grace, undeserved favor, extended to the oldest son, and generosity to him, even though he didn't deserve it. Did the older son take the gift of grace and the generosity extended to him? Like, did he realize, oh, I get it. I see it. Okay. Yeah, everything left is mine. That's a good deal. I'll just be quiet and go, younger brother. This is fun. This is a good day for us as a family. Does that happen? We don't know. We don't know, we're left kind of hanging here. There's no answer to that. And this is the beauty of parables. This is the beauty of looking at these short stories that Jesus provided and the stunning insights that they give us. They don't always give us the answer. They require us to wrestle with what we have discovered and read couple of thinking points that come out of the parable of the lost sons number one the father allows his love to outweigh his disappointment anger and embarrassment and quite honestly it's a shocking thing like the father has every right to not act this way to the younger son and to the older son as well but he allows his love to outweigh every other wrong against him grace extended undeserved favor to both sons and generosity undeserved. Thinking point number two, the father disregards the offenses of both sons. And I think this is a great thing in the text. It's not just about forgiving the younger son, but he also works with the older son as well. Thomas Keating says this, he put completely aside, the father did, his personal honor, In legal code, he shows himself equally disinterested in the immorality of his younger son and in the offensive self-righteousness that is the preoccupation of his elder son. His conduct upstages both the misconduct of the younger son and the insistence on the legal rights of the elder. The father is the great picture in this story, overlooking everything and grace undeserved favor. He's just doling it out in great ways and being very generous to people who didn't deserve it. By the way, I put together a list of references that I will be using throughout this theme and you can access that through the app. You can also pick up a paper copy a just for you. I would encourage all of us as we wrestle with these different parables to get other resources and you can grab that sheet and find other books and journals that really speak to the stunning insights that we find from this primary teaching method of Jesus. It would be worth your time to grab that and dive into this as we spend several weeks just getting lost in these parables and wrestling with some of the things that are left undone for us so that we can figure out what is God saying here and what is Jesus instructing us I would encourage you to take full advantage of that. Okay, I have three takeaways for today. Number one, I want you to read through Luke 15, 1 through 32. It's the whole chapter five times this week. It's actually our Monday through Friday reading plan. So if you're following that, on Monday you're going to read this chapter and you'll do the same from Tuesday through Friday. If you don't follow that reading plan or if you are one that would say, I don't really read the Bible... Well, this is a great week to just give it a shot and I would encourage you to do that and just see what happens inside of you. Let's sit in these three parables. It only takes a few minutes to read through them. Listen to what Jesus said as he instructs the religious leaders who are frustrated with him that he hung out with immoral and ungodly people and even had lunch with them. Jesus, why are you doing this? And, He points to the grace of God. Just sit in the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost sons and journal. Write some things down. Highlight key words. Maybe even ask some questions if it doesn't make sense to you and pray over that. And watch God bring these stories, these parables to life inside of you as you consider what Jesus said. These are his words. Let's get them inside of us and just think and wrestle with it. That would be a great thing to do. And that's takeaway number one. Here's the second takeaway. God's grace is something to receive. Again, in the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost sons, God's grace is on full display. And I think it's there for us to consider It is something to receive, and it is available for all. Think about that. The unmerited favor of God. Like, I can have that, and I can enjoy that, and you can as well, because it is available for all, no matter who you are. For the down and out, God's grace for you. For those who think they have it all together, God's grace is for you. For those who are born and live on both sides of the tracks, God's grace is for you. It's for everyone. May we not forget the words that say this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will have eternal life. The grace of God, just undeserved favor. And God loved so much that he gave. And if we believe, then we will have. We receive God's grace by believing. Have you believed? Is that your story? Have you believed? Takeaway number three, it's a question. And that is, what is your view of God? And this would be a good thing for everybody to wrestle with throughout the week. What is your view of God? And how often do you think about Him? Is your view of God one where He is calculating all of our wrongs and writing that out and getting ready to smack us over the head with that? Or is your view of God one who dispenses grace? and pursues the lost and welcomes them back home and rejoices and celebrates when that happens. What is your view of God? To help with this, I would encourage everybody here to consider our discipleship classes that are coming this month. You can sign up for them on our church app. We're offering two different classes. One deals with the nature of God maybe you've been wrestling with that, and who is he, and how do we describe him, and what does that even mean for me, then I would encourage you to consider that class. The other class deals with God's great gift of salvation, God's rescuing ability. What does that mean, and how can I step into that? How can I receive that? I would encourage you to think about these two classes or even connect with one of our groups that meet in homes because these are ways where we can consider our view of God and expand it and grow and develop that as we stand on His grace, His unmerited favor delivered for all. Okay. Three stories, God's grace on full display. What will you do with it? Father, We are thankful for the opportunity today to begin this new theme and to think about the many stories that Jesus shared so many years ago, stories that are interesting and dramatic, stories that have a point. Some stories are kind of confusing, though. We don't always understand them and what was Jesus trying to say and What was he communicating to the crowd in front of him many years ago? And what does that mean for us today? God, we want to wrestle with all of these things. We want to sit in the parables. We want to get lost in them. Today, we've just thought about grace, unmerited favor. And we see that in the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost sons as well. God, would you help us just to respond to what we have received in an appropriate way, in a way that honors you and also helps us get closer to you. God, I pray that would happen. I'd like for everybody just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. As we have talked about the grace of God, His unmerited favor. Maybe that's making sense to you. Like, oh, I'd like that. God's grace is something to believe. It's something to trust. And maybe that's never happened for you, but you're desiring that, this gift of grace that God extends, then i just encourage you in the quietness of this moment from your heart to God's ears. Tell Him that you want His grace gift, His undeserved favor. You desire that. You are claiming it as your own today. Let God know that you're a sinner and your life isn't perfect. He already knows that, but He wants to hear that from us, to acknowledge that. Thank Him for rescuing you and tell him that you're trusting in the work of Jesus and embracing his leadership and forgiveness, recognizing that he came for you and gave up his life for you. God loved the world so much he gave that if we believe, just tell God you're believing in his work through Jesus for you. Tell him you're believing in that without adding anything to it because there's really nothing we can add. Just simple trust. If you have believed today, I just want to congratulate you and say you now have a friendship with God and he will never leave you. He can't. He won't forget about you. And his grace, his undeserved favor is part of your story now. So congratulations. Walk with confidence and walk with courage. God is with you. You belong to Him. Father, we love You. We've been singing about You and thinking about some of the stories Jesus shared in Scripture about lost things being found. We love how You search. You seek us as well. And we're grateful for your love that pursues. Help us to view you that way as a God who reaches, a God who extends, a God who runs. Wow. You run to us because of your love. And you extend this undeserved favor. We're grateful. Help us to walk with that image this week. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.